some thoughts on where international markets may be heading and what would catalyze them, we speak to Peter Esho, co-founder of Wealthy. Peter, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us today. Let's start with what's happening over in the U.S. because the U.S. labor market added 315,000 jobs in August, but equity markets continued to tumble on Friday. Are financial markets dismissing positive news about the labor market for any reason or what are the reasons there? Good morning and thank you for having me back. I think that's a very important point. Um, I think what we saw last week in the US market was really a reaction to the week before and particularly the Federal Reserve's commentary uh, on monetary policy and that's still playing out. I think that is the key dominant force and anything that changes the Fed's course will really dictate markets. So that jobs report that you're pointing to didn't really change any assumptions around where rates are going in the short term. Uh, if anything, they reinforce that the economy is still very strong. And you're right. Uh, I think what's happening in markets is that we're starting to become dismissive of um, of a strong economy, indicators of a strong economy. Um, and we're, you know, we're looking for signs of weakness so that we can find reasons for the Fed not to move as hard. And so the economic data is not good enough. Uh, to offset uh, the increases in interest rates. And so we're going to be in this holding pattern, I think, for the next few weeks. Yeah, but I also note that um, markets have actually been on three consecutive weeks of declines for American equities, and it's just the start of the month. Do you think this uh, trend is going to continue for September or even maybe for the whole year? Yeah, I do. I think the, the trend will continue. The market will remain sideways. It's going to be very temperamental. And I think it's a lesson for investors in that you can't pay too much attention to short-term market movements. You have to look at the macro trend. The macro trend is showing a very strong economy. It's showing central banks that are really, really focused on containing inflation. And if you're trading the markets on short-term swings, you're going to get hurt. Uh, because sentiment can quickly move from one way to another. And we've seen that over the past six weeks. We've gone very bullish to very hawkish and we'll probably go back and continue to swing. For me, the one thing I'm watching is signs that interest rate rises are starting to dent growth. We haven't yet had consecutive data showing that. The economy is, is very resilient, particularly in the United States. And I think we need at least three to six months uh, of consistent economic data showing things are slowing down and we're not there yet. So until we get that, I think there's no change to what the Federal Reserve is doing and there's going to be no change to market levels. So Peter, are you suggesting that markets are just going to be where they are, if not actually maybe slip even further down for another six months? So we are in September and that only opportunities arise sometime in the second quarter of 2023 then? I think the most honest answer I can give you is I don't know what the market will do in the short term. I don't mm. think anybody knows. But what I do know is that the trends haven't changed. Okay. The settings haven't changed. And I think to me, that's more important than what happens uh, to market movements. So how then should I position for this uncertainty? That is a fantastic question because I think that's what we're focusing on and that's what we're telling clients in our business. And what we're saying is this. We're moving into an environment where rates are going to be higher than where they've been. That means you as an individual investor has to have a portfolio that's giving you income and has the ability to grow income. 
you can go and get that in different ways. That's up to you. But you need to make sure if you're holding stocks, those stocks are paying reasonable dividends, have reasonable cash flow, and have the ability to benefit from inflation. Some businesses do well from inflation. Some businesses don't. Most don't, but some do. And they're the standouts. If you're not investing in stocks and if you're investing in real estate, you need to make sure that the type of real estate that you're buying has the ability to continue increasing rents with inflation. And to me, that is the most important thing. It's all about income. I think the next decade is about income. We've had cheap money that's been about growth, 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 and income's been out the door. Now it's the opposite. It's all about having things that pay you, put money in your pocket, and can service your debt if you do have debt against your investments. And just um, can we get a take from you on in terms of trends on where you see capital flight? Because we do see that um, interest rates are growing higher in the US and Australia and the EU. Whereas in Asia, I think interest uh, rate hikes are still pretty muted. Um, are you seeing capital flight from this region to others as investors look for higher yield assets in developed markets? Yeah, the biggest problem for Asia is a strong dollar. Uh, and what I mean by that is that as the dollar, as the US dollar strengthens because rates are going up there, you have all other currencies weakening. And so for some economies like Australia, that's okay because they are such export focused, they actually prefer having a competitive currency. But for a lot of Asian and emerging economies, they are very, very strong importers of goods. And that importation of goods at this time where goods are becoming more expensive is going to become very problematic, particularly for those that have vulnerable fiscal positions. And so for me, you know, the dollar, the strong dollar is going to break a lot of emerging markets, a lot of emerging economies. And I think it's going to set Asia into a very subdued growth phase for at least five to 10 years. Of course, markets don't move in a straight line up or down. There's no such thing. There are always swings and roundabouts. And at some stage that trend will reverse. But I think there's damage to come from a stronger dollar. So basically, you're suggesting that uh, emerging markets are going to be soft. So will that mean that we should position our money also then in uh, developed markets going back to, to going back to US then? Developed markets um, diversified across a range of different exposures and asset types and really focused on income growth. It's no problem buying a 2 or a 3% dividend yield mm. if there's an ability for that, that dividend yield to grow you know, by 5 or 10% compounded because that compounding is going to get you over the line. So spread your portfolio. Don't have your eggs in one basket. Don't try to fight the Fed because the Fed is going to do what it's going to do. It's going to continue to increase rates and it's going to take some time for that strong dollar to reverse. So very quickly then, let's get your um, perspective on what's happening in the Australian property sector. Uh, the RBA's higher interest rates are starting to bite with lower home prices recorded for the first time in decades. Has the bubble finally burst for the unassailable Australian property market? Absolutely not. There's no bubble because Australian property prices are underpinned by one of the strongest economies in the world. Uh, we've got a very strong fiscal position. Monetary policy is coming from zero to a base where we were pre uh, pandemic. Uh, we've got a big problem in Australia and that's not house prices, that's the availability uh, of housing. Uh, the rental market is very, very tight, particularly in the, in, the, in the major metropolitan cities. And in your bulletin, right before we spoke together, you were talking about the increase in migration. 
Uh, one of the biggest things, Australia has the ability to increase migration by a huge factor, but we can't bring too many people in because it's so hard to find accommodation, so hard to find rentals. And so back to my previous point, that's going to support the market. The RBA is increasing rates because the economy is very strong um, and the residential real estate market in particular has the ability to increase rents. Rents are going to rise and investors are going to have a cushion. And just finally, for, for a lot of your listeners that might not know, Australia has one of the most aggressive uh, government taxation regimes that supports real estate investment, but probably one of the most aggressive in the world. And so every time an Australian investor is out of pocket, for every dollar they're out of pocket, if they are out of pocket because rates have risen, that's actually subsidised by the government. There's very generous tax incentives that come back. And so I think the Australian market residential is softening after having record growth, but there's definitely no bubble and uh, monetary policy is very prudent. Peter, thanks very much for speaking to us this morning. That was Peter Esho, co-founder of Wealthy, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead, capping the conversation there with a pretty, I would say, pretty bullish uh, prospect on Australian property markets, saying that there's still a lot of tailwinds to the sector, um, even as the rest of the region, perhaps in Asia, even as uh, other economies are uh, dealing with a the, the effects of a strong dollar. Yeah, what's also interesting interesting is that he says basically pay 